T-minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5. All three engines up and burning. 2, 1, 0. And liftoff, the final liftoff of Atlantis on the shoulders of the space shuttle. America will continue the dream. And blast off. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Jake Schaefer Campaign. I'm your host, Jacob Mark Schaefer, and this is my campaign. If you're a first-time listener, you should probably know there's been some confusion going around between me and actor Kellen Lutz, who played Emmett from the Twilight movie franchise. Like me, Kellen Lutz was on the hit CBS drama The Bold and the Beautiful, but unlike me, he continued to move forward and have a great movie career. So I guess the takeaway is, Kellen Lutz is a cool guy. You should check him out. But I digress. Besides being an actor on par with Kellen Lutz, I'm also a writer. And my newest novel, The Fleeting Prince, is available now through my publisher, Bold Venture Press. If you're a fan of this podcast, please pick up a copy of my book on Amazon and write a review. It's the best thing you can do to support me in this show. In the meantime, I'll continue to release chapters from the book bi-weekly on this podcast. Now, without further ado, Chapter 8 of The Fleeting Prince. Chapter 8 The water was halfway up Shiva's face when he awoke, taking in a sharp breath. He began to cough, his lungs spewing out the water that they had taken in. When he was finished, he turned onto his back and let his head fall into the shallow water. His chest hurt, his left shoulder too. That's where he had hit the water when he fell. Such a long fall. It was a blessing the floor collapsed. Elsie would have been crushed for sure. He lifted his head and looked around, but he was met only with darkness. He let his head drop back into the water. He had fallen into a river. That he knew for certain. He ran his hands along his body to see what was missing. Most everything was still upon him. His sword was gone. A misfortune for sure. It was a splendid blade. He had no one to blame but himself. He reached out his arms, finding the gargoyle's head still at his side. He let out a sigh. The treasure was not lost. That was all that mattered. He would need it when he met his final foe. His skill had been tried against the wraith. Tried and found wanting. The sad truth left a bad taste in his mouth. He still lacked what was needed. Shiva's mind wandered to the Golden Knight. He wished he had seen him fight against the two brazen knights. It was a superb fight, he was certain. Only Shiva could gauge Sir Lennox's skill. He was the only one. His mistress had told him so. He sat up. The small bank in the river where he had washed ashore was calm. He could feel the gentle current of the water pushing at his body, moving towards the unseen roar of the subterranean river that bellowed throughout the cave. It was very dark, he realized. He had hoped his eyes would adjust, but as he sat listening to the soft trickling of the water, no illumination came. The darkness was complete. The warden would have to make his own light. He grimaced, tearing off some cloth from his cloak and fastening it around the edge of his dagger as he rose to his feet. He set it aflame and the little fire cast its light among the shadows. Slowly the shapes around him took form, the murky water as it flowed beside him, the smooth bare stones of the cave walls. He blinked his eyes and waited as they adjusted to the light. A black mass took shape not two spans from where he stood. It lay unmoving in the shallows. He moved towards the figure. 
shuffling his feet through the water one step at a time before stopping abruptly. The Shadow Wraith. Shiva steadied his heart, keeping a close watch on the wraith as he stood waiting. The creature seemed smaller somehow, as though it had shrunken down to human size. Shiva pressed forward, his burning dagger before him. Still, the wraith did not move. He knelt down and drove the dagger into the wraith's neck. He would take no chances. Afterwards, he flipped the wraith onto its back and examined him. Now that he was dead, the wraith's appearance had solidified. The great hammer was gone as well. Another waste. He would have liked to see the dark moons crafting up close. Similar to the brass knights at the arch tree, the wraith's helm showed no sign of an opening. No way to remove it. Disappointed, Shiva turned the wraith on its side and went about removing the creature's cloak, hoping to use it as fuel for his torch. He had just unfastened it from the wraith's neck when it disappeared with his hand. No, it had not vanished. He could feel the fabric within his grasp. He brought his torch close and watched as the cloak shifted and flickered in the light. He moved the flame away and watched it vanish, hiding his hand beneath its magic. Shiva smiled. The lone hunter scores the best treasure, and what a treasure indeed. He was very pleased. The smallest curves of a smile touched at his lips. He looked down at the wraith, its dead corpse face down in the shallow water. I would have liked for you to die at my blade, he said aloud to the corpse. But it is my victory nonetheless, and now I claim my prize. It was worth it, entering the frozen woods, just as Lady Soon said it would be. The shadow cloak did Shiva little good while he carried a torch for all to see. He placed it in his satchel and went forward in his normal attire, moving through the shallows carefully. The ground was uneven, and two steps was enough to bring the water to his waist. He checked his equipment, making sure everything was well fastened before continuing on. Despite being separated from his companions, and quite thoroughly lost in a maze of tunnels, Shiva was happy. The spoils of victory were too great, the treasures too exquisite. Even the delay of time was not enough to concern him. Soon, perhaps, but not now. The river snaked through the tunnels in no particular pattern, separating into two or three, or even four rivers at a time, only to connect again half a league downriver. There were times when Shiva was left with no choice but to wade the river, but he always managed to find calm waters to cross at. As he moved along, he saw signs of activity. Racks of barrels lined the cavern walls, as well as select tools and other goods. He even came across a small shed with bedding laid out beside it, and a spot for a fire and cookware. However fall he had fallen, there was indeed a way out. At the shed he managed to find a proper torch. It was nice having the extra light. His dagger had produced a poor flame in comparison. It had seemed bright at the time, but now Shiva felt like he was carrying the sun, and questioned if the extra light was wise. He decided in favor of the torch and carried on. The longer he traveled, the more campsites he came across, some of them no more than a blanket set beside a cold fire pit. Each side was lined with large wooden barrels. Many of them stood tight and sealed, but a few of them were open. The ones that were open were mostly empty, save a few which were filled with goods, furs and rugs by the look of it. Shiva quickly rummaged the barrels for anything he might use, but left unsatisfied. There was nothing for him, 
not even food. He came to another crossing in the river that was swifter than he would have liked. He stripped off his belongings and set them inside one of the barrels, and tied it to his waist with some rope, and managed to cross with little trouble. He reached the other side further downstream than he thought he would, and crawled onto the stone bank naked and cold. He stopped then, sinking low into the stones when he saw the faintest hint of light shimmering through the darkness like a single candle burning amidst a swirling vortex of black. He heard nothing but the rolling tremble of the river beside him, and there he waited watching the light as it pulsed in the distance. When enough time had passed, he pushed himself off the ground and heaved at the rope, pulling at his barrel that floated gently in the shallows. He lifted it onto the shore and began to dress himself in the dark, checking to make sure everything was in its place. Afterward, he pulled the barrel further up the riverbank and began making his way towards the light. Even with the flame so distant, its light was enough for Shiva to move freely without fear of slipping or falling back into the river. As he drew near, the light grew in illumination. He swung his new shadow cloak around his shoulders and pulled the hood over his head, holding the cloak close as he pushed forward, eager to know its true value. What stood before him was more than just a mere campsite. Two stone towers sat on opposite sides of the river, anchored against the cavern walls with a small rope bridge connecting them. A timber palisade stood erect on both sides of the river in defense of the structures. The wall looked strong from afar, but proved to be lacking as Shiva drew near. He found at least a half a dozen gaps in the fence, where he could slip through unnoticed. He chose to stay near the east corner, where the light was darkest. Once inside, he searched the grounds. The torches were all maintained, and lit up the inner defense well, yet the stronghold seemed abandoned. He had just crossed the yard to the base of the first tower when he glimpsed a single guard across the river, standing at the start of the bridge. How long had the man been there? Had he somehow missed him? Or had the guard only just arrived? The man wore a plain tunic of black leather and stood awake, gazing out into the darkness. He seemed to be looking in Shiva's direction, but remained motionless with a spear in hand. The guard passed across the bridge and looked down towards the base of the structure. When he was finished, he crossed back across the bridge and out of sight. Shiva stood alone with his back against the tower. Had he been seen? No alarm had been called. He kept vigil, watching to see if the guard would appear once more. After a time, he relaxed, casting his gaze at the river before him, watching as the water struck at the cavern wall in a roaring spray of foam and mist before being sucked down to the earth below. He watched the river for some time, and when he was done, he moved on, near invisible in his cloak and hidden in the river's mist. There was a single door at the base of the tower, blocked by stacks of barrels and iron bars that had been wedged into the ground and leaned up against the gate. He looked back at the river and then to the bridge above it. A thought he did not like much came to mind. He continued around the tower to where the stones connected with the cavern walls and discovered a narrow ladder that led to the top. He scaled it quickly, the roar of the river hammering along the cavern walls. He stood like a phantom atop the tower, his dark cloak fluttering in the throw of the mist. There was a metal hatch leading down with a large lock set upon the latch, and several barrels placed atop the door. Something had been trapped in the tower, something not meant to get out. For a moment his eyes twinkled at the thought. No, he told himself. Lady soon had said nothing of a monster inside the Twin Towers. 
he had his duty to carry out. He had sworn an oath, a binding pledge, deeper and more complete than the one the girl or the golden knight had sworn. She held his very soul in her hands. He could never take it back. He did not intend to. Shiva moved towards the bridge. He had lost much time, but it was not wise to do anything in haste. Such was the path to ruin. The bridge was stronger than it looked from below, and he crossed it quickly. His shadow cloak a mass of gray mist wrapped in diluted light. He emerged on the other side with beads of water sticking to his cloak like morning dew. After wiping off excess water, he opened the hatch and dropped below, uncertain of what he was to find. Unlike the outer walls, the inside of the tower was dimly lit. Shiva smiled. He pushed forward, deeper into the depths, his fingers brushing against the smooth finished stone as he walked. From somewhere far below, noises echoed. The distant murmur of voices, the scrap of boots pacing. Right then, he thought. At last I might find some answers. He was not afraid. Never afraid, really. His road had some distance left. Huge steps had been set into the curving wall, circling down and down. He followed them in their descent, his hands skimming along the wall, his steps quiet and still, until, out of the darkness, came a light. Coming up from the bowels of the earth, its warm glow echoed across the stone walls in warning. He could hear voices, too, echoing up the shaft in the company of the light. Telling you, it was no ghoul, one said. You think I've lost my wits, but I haven't. We shall learn the truth together, a second voice answered in a harsh accent of the Iron City. Tell me honestly, you think I've cracked, don't you? Lost my head. I can see it in your eyes. The gods alone know what you truly saw, Matt, the second voice answered. Shiva could see the light of the torch crawling up the steps before him, flickering with every step. I believe you saw something, though. It was right of you to tell me. If only you hadn't spoken of this to Tarkas. He should not have been bothered with this news. Next time, find me first. And if not me, Rickard then. I know what it sounds like, believe me, I know. That's why I told Tarkas. If it were just some ghoul, then I would have taken care of it myself. But it was a specter I saw. You'll see, a true spirit of mist. Shiva could see the flames of the torch flickering up above the stairs. The two men were almost upon him. He leapt from the stairwell onto one of the wooden beams that crisscrossed through the tower and brought his cloak about him, so that he was completely shrouded in the foggy black. He held his breath as the man holding the torch climbed into his sight, his companion walking beside him. For a moment Shiva felt as though there was a third, but no, the light revealed only two. Explain this apparition once more, the torchbearer said. A strong man in a male coif set with a black circlet. He wore a sword at his side. They both did. And even in heavy boots, their feet seemed to float soundlessly upon the steps. A stubble of dark beard showed upon the torchbearer's face. And he wore a brigadine of black leather, lined with small steel plates riveted to the fabric. I could see the creature moving through the mist of the river, replied Matt. It traveled through the courtyard and stopped at the base of the tower, 
and remained there until I left. So he had been seen. How disappointing. Shiva furrowed his eyes, taking Madden closely as the two men passed. He was a younger man, thin, and in a black leather tunic that looked cheap in comparison to the torchbearers. Yet he moved well. Shiva saw that clearly now, and the man had keen eyes, sharper than he had first thought. Still, he was learning the limits of his shadow cloak, better now than when surrounded by ghouls. It did nothing else, this specter, the torchbearer said as they continued up the steps, level now with where Shiva crouched hidden by his cloak. Another test, the warden thought. Light streamed forth from the torch, but the two men continued on, unaware of Shiva as he stood crouched beneath his cloak, like a gargoyle draped in black. Nothing that I could see, Matt replied. For a second his eyes shifted towards where Shiva was hidden. I walked the bridge to the second tower, but the creature lingered. Is this what you told Tarkas? Matt nodded. The torch bearer was quiet then, their footsteps soundless as they continued on in their ascent. At last he spoke. If it truly is a spirit as you say, let us hope it is a peaceable one. I wouldn't know how to go about killing a specter. Not without a mage to cast a hex on us. He shook his head. There's no way we'll escape this place anyhow. Specter or no, we're dead men. Best we start thinking ourselves as cursed. Just a matter of time, really. We're not getting back into the other tower. I don't care if Tarkas speaks otherwise. There must be thirty ghouls trapped down there. We can let them out slowly. Maybe lure them across the bridge. Perhaps so. But if there's a whole horde waiting, then there's no way we're getting the hatch closed again. Shiva let them pass well ahead. Then he followed after. We have to try either way. The words were scattered as they echoed down the tower, muffled by the stones. Firebombs. We could reopen the tunnels. No guarantee. It's feasible. Shiva could see the light from their torch dancing across the walls as the words fell silent. A warm glow that beckoned him to follow. Sometimes he could make out their voices, but the words remained buried. He hurried after, striding up the coiled steps, his hand gripped tightly on his cloak. Near the top, the light suddenly stopped. Shiva could hear their voices clear once more, and he listened as they climbed out before him, following after as quickly as he could manage. He found himself standing at the top of the ladder, staring at the backs of the two men. They stood near the bridge, gazing down at the base of the second tower, their cloaks billowing about them as the spray from the river roared throughout the cavern. It was bright outside. Shiva could see his cloak taking shape in the light of the flames. He stripped it clear and drew his dagger. He would no longer play the shadow. He moved towards the torch bearer. The man knew silence. That much was true. Shiva knew it too. His eyes were cold as he stepped forward, his footsteps masked by the thunder of the river. Just there, Matt said as he pointed down. I see nothing, the torch bearer yelled back, and then the dagger was at his throat. The warden moved quickly, reaching his free hand round the torchbearer's mouth as he dragged him away from the bridge. He kept his eyes on Matt as he leaned down to whisper into the man's ear. 
I want you to know that I could have killed you right now, had that been my intent. The words were soft but cold as they left Shiva's lips. I could have killed your friend too, but I didn't. It's important you understand that. Nod if you understand. The man nodded. Good, Shiva whispered back before releasing his grip. The man fell to his knees and reached for his throat, feeling the warm spot of blood where Shiva's dagger had skimmed across his neck. He was coughing and looking towards Shiva with both anger and relief present in his eyes. This one will fight till the end, Shiva told himself, making a note of it. Matt stood facing the other tower for a few seconds before realizing he was alone. He turned around and seemed almost confused by what he saw. Crite! he yelled as he drew his sword. Put that away. If I wished you dead, your sword would offer you little aid, Shiva said. He had sheathed his dagger, but his hand still rested on the hilt, and when he looked towards Matt, his eyes burned cold like blue glass. Do as he says, Matt, said Kreit, his rough voice even more sour as he rubbed at his throat. Having reached a decision, however much he disliked it, Matt lowered his sword. A moment later, he returned it to its sheath. Shiva watched him with calm indifference, and then turned his attention to Kreit, and offered the man his hand. Kreit ignored it, rising to his feet as he stared hard at the intruder. Well done, he sneered. Rejoice, and praise Ilion. You crossed the frozen woods and managed to get trapped down here like the rest of us. Now, what do you hope to achieve? Yes, of course. I cannot blame you. I'm sure my arrival must appear quite strange to you. I am Shiva of Kataron, and I desire what you desire. To break free of this prison and resume my travels. Ha! Isn't that a pretty dream? Better to throw yourself into the whirlpool and be done with it. That's the only way you're getting out of this fouled cavern. Of course, you'll be drowned long before the river surfaces again. He turned and spit. How'd you get down here anyway? All the tunnels are either caved in or blocked. I was pursued, he began softly. A horde of ghouls flanked me and my companions in the darkness of the woods. We had no choice but to seek shelter in the stronghold. We weren't there long before the floor gave out beneath us. I fell a long way into the darkness, and when I awoke, I was here. Kreitz smiled knowingly. You know this area well? Shiva asked suddenly. Kreit nodded. Better than most, not as well as some. And you? Shiva asked, turning to Matt. The young man shook his head no. And what of Tarkis? Does he know these tunnels well? Kreit hid his surprise well. He was an older man with wisps of white beginning to show in his beard. Matt was less subtle. A passing glance to Kreit gave him away. It was Kreit who answered. You know more than you should, he began. Hmm. Yes, he knows them best, that's true. Still, it doesn't matter. I told you, the tunnels have all collapsed. Blew them ourselves when the ghouls started closing in. He turned and spit, wiping the blood from his neck with his hand. Seemed like a good plan at the time. That is, until those damned hollows started climbing down through the rear pathways. He shook his head. 
Don't know how they could have found their way down here, but they did. And now you're trapped without recourse. No way of escape. Kreit nodded. Just so. I would have thought more of this guild. As it is, I would like to speak with Tarkas. He looked to Matt. You spoke of firebombs in the second tower. Tarkas has a plan. I would hear it for myself. How could you know that? Matt said dumbly. Kreit laughed aloud. Sure, why not? Perhaps Aelowen sent you to guide us in our hour of desperation. That sounds like something he might do. Come, Matt. Let's introduce your ghost to Tarkas. The great mystery has been solved, and all it took was our dignity. <laughs> to think that I was caught off guard. What has become of me?